really never thought of myself as a founder type. And we had this discussion about taking ownership for not just the company, but the struggles in ourselves. And parents said, look, you're a founder. Act like a founder. You have the mindset that I, I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure out in the process. And there isn't like a playbook for how to do it. And I think some of the elements of you know founderness are being willing to walk out on thin ice and start to figure it out along the way. That's Chief Scientific Officer Jesse Katari and CEO Paris Pratensky of ImmuneBridge. ImmuneBridge is an early-stage biotech company developing immunotherapies for cancer. In this episode, we talk about taking ownership, being an outsider, and how life is practice for life. I'm Maureen Taylor, and this is Think Like a Founder. You know, Jesse, when we were talking before, you've always said that science has been a lifelong passion for you and that you said, and I'm quoting here, want to be the person that has the best grasp of science possible. So tell us about that journey and pursuit. It really started almost by default because my mother was a high school biology teacher and the advisor for the science club. So when I was 10 years old, we were walking waist deep through a swamp in Florida looking for alligators, which was so exciting as a kid. I went to a STEM elementary school, and so we all wanted to be something that was the highest pinnacle of knowledge and science and medicine, we sat down and started memorizing different parts of the brain between this group of five of us in my class. And I think that was really where it kicked off. But it went a long way from there because at some point it got disillusioned when you start to think that science, especially as it's taught in a lot of times in schools, is just you have to memorize everything that everyone has learned before. And that wasn't exciting. And it wasn't really until I, I started to understand that it was more about what was unknown that I really started to know that I was a scientist at the core. And this love of the unknown was really what was driving me in the direction of being a scientist. And so I went to the university to get a degree in biology and a degree in economics. And then at some point, I wound up as a lab technician listening to the MD that I was working for take the project that I had been investing my time and effort into and was just getting little important bits of the science wrong. And that was really the moment that crystallized wanting to be the one who got to have the voice to speak to what we were doing in the lab and pushed me to say, all right, I'm definitely going to grad school. That's the way to get up on the podium and to have the authority. Oh, that is awesome. And then parrots, on the other hand, you as a kid thought that it was inevitable that you would be all the things when you grew up. And as you got older, you learned that you came to terms with some constraints or some need for focus. How did you find your way to biotech? Some things were predetermined from the start. So both my parents were scientists. My dad was a physicist and uh, mom is a chemist. So that stayed with me from the beginning. But the arc was long. I, I grew up in the military industrial complex of the Soviet Union at the time. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be a soldier or a spy. My playground had foxholes and a tank. Climbing structure was a MiG fighter jet. And I put on gas masks practicing as a kid, preparing for the American invasion. 
Lo and behold, I found myself leaving the Soviet Union, first immigrating to Italy, where I lived as a stateless refugee, as an outsider not speaking the language. And this process of being the outsider, of encountering the other, iterated with me and allowed me to sample these different new beginnings and these new states of mind. And when I came to the U.S., I grew up in the Boston area. At first, I was going to different Jewish schools. And at that point, I wanted to be a rabbi. Wind forward in high school, which is part of the reason why I never graduated. I wanted to be a mastermind of organized crime. And the, you know, I had these things that were tearing at me, but both the leave school, do all of the things, and then also be good at school and be good at science. That was also still with me at the core. And so after dropping out, I met a wonderful person named Gary Welsh who gave me a lifeline. And I ended up at 16 working in IT consulting in Boston, wearing suits and ties. And again, sampling another state of being. I managed to get into college where also I couldn't decide what to be or to constrain myself. So I thought, can I be the primary colors? Can I learn the math and the physics to think the shapes of thoughts? And can I learn English to make up for my foreignness to learn the language and to learn how to express and articulate myself? And all the while, I was also striving and grasping at different straws of possible states. I worked in an archaeological dig at a Roman city in Israel. I worked at a physics laboratory. And I went and I got a master's in literature. And then I got a PhD in biophysics. And when I started the PhD in biophysics, they knew that I had taken zero biology classes in college. And I had an aversion for it, the pre-meds that were all about memorizing things. And I didn't want to be competing at that level. I wanted to serve other purposes. When I finished grad school, I also realized that maybe this isn't for me. And I didn't envy my professor's jobs. And the first job that I got after graduate school was in Afghanistan, doing telecommunications infrastructure on the border with Pakistan. What a fascinating background. And the combination of the two of you, what you have in common, it seems like, is this kind of rogue approach to truly being a student and to truly explore. So first, how did you meet each other? I first recall meeting Jesse at a party in a garage in Concord, California, where Jesse was working on an earlier version of this company's project. But it was early enough that it was sampling so many different crazy ideas at the same time that also had the question of how to mobilize immune systems through exercise. So a part of their lab, sure, it had like a flow cytometer in it, but it also had exercise treadmills where the human gerbils were running around, blood was being drawn, the main logo was blood, the theme was blood. And I thought, oh, these were kind of interesting weirdos, but I'm not clear (laughs) on what path that they're on. And actually, it was years later that I encountered Jesse with a, a more focused project, and I got the privilege of spending some days in lab with him. And we started clicking over there, but the idea wasn't yet hatched enough for me to commit. And then during the pandemic, both the longing to go deeper into immunology and then the clarity that this was very much one of the world's most important and fascinating things. And the time is now is when we reunited in our current formation. That inner drive of wanting to discover, Jesse, is that what you have in common? It's even deeper than that. I think what we have in common is at our core being committed to having this company be a place where we want to work with people we want to work with. And that commitment requiring being willing to be very honest with each other, being willing to be very emotionally vulnerable and to not 
put up walls in that way. And so I think that's not typical. But in terms of a relationship, that has made me personally more willing to do this and to go through a lot of the ups and downs because we know we've really got each other's back. And that's really the foundation of it to the point where, yeah, we're doing this project and it happens to be science and it's something that we both care a lot about. But if this were a different company and a different type of thing, I would still want to be on this path with parrots. It is the people that make it happen. So the fact that you've both found each other and this kind of relationship, that is where it starts. And as you work together, what does it mean to be a founder? What does that mean to you? It's funny because I really never thought of myself as a founder type because I had these other examples of founder type archetypes in my life at the time. People who were founders because it just didn't work for them to do anything else. Even though for me, I felt the need to have my hands in things and do things that were interesting and exciting and and have my ideas matter a lot, it didn't occur to me that being a founder was the way to do it. And even until the point where Parrots and I had been working together for months and we were going through sort of an, an external struggle and we had this discussion about taking ownership for not just the company, but the struggles and ourselves. And Parrots said, look, you're a founder. Act like a founder. (laughs) Oh, what does that mean? And realizing that that level of personal investment where we're going to work together to take ownership. And really understanding that responsibility. And Parrots, did you always know that this kind of thing was what you were going to do. Not so much the subject, but the idea of founding something and being responsible for it. I feel like I knew from the beginning that I didn't want to work for somebody else. And what I thought in the arc of my background was that I was tempering myself through these different experiences of confronting newness and otherness. And it's like walking into this thing, which you're unprepared for, other than that you have the mindset that I I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure out in the process. And there isn't like a playbook for how to do it. And I think some of the elements of, you know, founderness are being willing to walk out on thin ice and start to figure it out along the way, not be reckless, right? I asked myself the question, all of these different experiences, what are they adding up to? And I feel that they are adding up to this thing that they've tempered me for uncertainty. And to be able to deal with that is an unusual characteristic. Would you agree that a foundation for co-founders working together well is that you have the same values and you respect each other's core competency? So let's start with Jesse. One of the things that rings very true in there is this idea of core values because the ideas that are built on top of that can be different. They can be things you disagree with. But at some point, either when you're arguing or debating something, you can get down to core principles and say, well, we agree on these things, therefore we can come to a resolution in theory. In practice, the nice thing about this is the ability to say, okay, I understand where you're coming from well enough and I trust you to just go go do something. Because when you're trying to execute as a team, you can't always check in with each other And being able to understand that at a base level that we will both do the right thing in a given circumstance under uncertainty, that allows you to execute more efficiently. 
one of the things that's so important is R-E-S-P-E-C-T, respect. Respect leads to trust. And trust is a hard thing. Trust has a foundation that precedes it. The trust is that where we have disagreements and then we will talk out the disagreement and we'll have each other's positions. And then I trust you to execute, even if you disagree with me, and then I'm not going to second guess it afterwards. And I think that situation comes up all the time. And it's important to have that unity forward and backward. And I'm very privileged to have that with Jesse. It's not something to take for granted. It's something to nourish and always keep hydrated because it is key. One of the things in any relationship, be it business or home, this idea of being able to do something, being able to be wrong and not be second guessed so that you can feel the authority to really make decisions, to take risks. And if you're worried all the time about saying, well, that was obviously the wrong decision. Why did you do that? Then you will take fewer well thought out risks because you're worrying about being retrospected and putting that hindsight on your decision. And then at the same time, we also have to be willing to retrospect ourselves and say, that was a hypothesis, that was wrong, and we are going to learn from it and move forward. One of the things about founders is that they are obsessed, and obsessed in a good way. It's mission-driven and relentless, and it's like an itch that you have to scratch. Absolutely. I'm obsessed with the company and you kind of can't turn it off. It's hard to compartmentalize that this is work. I go to my job and then I stop thinking about it. It's something I think about in most of my waking moments. And of course, I have other things that I also care about in life. And so the same energies that I'm applying in the company, I'm trying to do with regards to my co-living community, my family. And in a way, they're interconnected because I use the threads from one towards the other. The reason why I'm working is because I want also my family to be proud of the things that I'm working on. And it gives me the energy to work on all the things. And so then the excitement that I have and the questions that we're confronting or dealing with the mundane, I have this energy to draw on. And Jesse, how do you have balance? I found myself explaining to my daughter, who's a kindergartner, she was asking me, it seems like you just want to work all the time. And she is still in the phase in school where she's going through, okay, well, you have to learn how to write. You have to learn all these things. And it seems like what is work to her really feels like work. And what I was trying to explain is there are things you're going to have to learn, but if you apply yourself, you can get to a point in life where what you are doing that people call work to you feels like just what you want to be doing and what you're just driven to be doing. And that's probably the hardest part of work-life balance for me is that I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm not doing this because I need to clock in and clock out. This is what I'm curious about. This is what I care about. And this matters, but it's also just fun. I like it. And that makes more of a difference than than anything else. What's the best advice you ever got that when I say that, it just pops to your mind? There are a few things that I go back to when I'm confronted with the situations where I need to reflect on it. This is sort of principles I go back to is like, one, life is practice for life. And sometimes it's unclear how it resolves, but this is the way that I explain how those multitudes will come together. They will alloy into the thing that you need. Another is do the obvious thing. Sometimes we want to seek the exciting or unusual solution, but oftentimes the answers are right in front of us. Another one is confess what you don't know. 
as quickly as you realize that that is the case and put it out in the open. Say what you don't know. Have this relationship with the unknown that that is what you're wrestling in science and in a company. You are trying to solve those things. And if you don't flush them out into the open, you won't be able to capture them. This is fantastic for all of us and just anyone listening to you. Okay, so now, Jesse, did you come up with something brilliant? Honestly, this is one of the things that I'm realizing is that what would have helped me a lot is if I had been willing to just get out there and ask for more mentorship or more advice or be willing to just take people's time rather than assuming that it was a cost to them. I think had I sought that out earlier on, I would have wound up on a path like this years earlier. This is something that I came to probably eight years after I should have. And finding that advice and asking for people to be mentors is something that is much more important than I think I gave it credit for, especially earlier on in my career. That was Chief Scientific Officer Jesse Katari and CEO Paritz Pratensky of ImmuneBridge. ImmuneBridge is a biotech company creating a platform of scalable immune cell therapies from cord blood. You can learn more by contacting them at immunebridge.com forward slash contact. That concludes this season of Think Like a Founder. Join us in the new year for season five, which will focus on Gen Z founders. Gen Z is being called the entrepreneurial generation with an outstanding 62% saying they plan on starting their own business someday. And considering this is also the generation that's going to save the planet, we thought we should get to know them a little better. I'm Maureen Taylor. Thanks for listening.